Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Matthew chapter 6. That's where we are as we continue in our series through the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter 6. Here's the key concept today. We should pray that we be both forgiven and forgivers. Forgiven and forgivers. Our focus verse is going to be Matthew 12, uh, 6, 12 when we get there. So let's look back. Last week we saw that we are invited to pray for daily provision, to pray for our basic needs. And the fact is that prayer for our needs comes naturally, comes fairly easily because I am reminded that I have needs every day. Pray for your daily bread. I get hungry every day. I need supply every single day. I sense that I have needs. But the prayer issue that we move on to today in verse 12 is less often noticed, or at least sometimes we, we try to push it away. We try to get, get away from the fact that it, uh, we need to pray for forgiveness just as, ne as needy as praying for daily bread. We need to be forgiven. Matthew 6, verse 12, Jesus says this, follow along, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, before we go further, we need to address an issue here. It has caused some misunderstanding from time to time. And the question comes up, well, do Christians really need to pray this prayer? Some will ask, well, why do I need to pray for forgiveness if I'm already forgiven? I have already been justified before God. God does not see my sin because I am in Christ. And because I am walking in faith in Jesus Christ and I've been born again into the family of God, God sees me just as if I had never sinned. He sees the blood of Christ when He looks at me. But to make that objection to this prayer is to confuse the categories. It is true that if you know Christ as Savior you, are, Savior, you are positionally justified by grace through faith. And that will never change for the believer. But practically, in the practical everyday walk of the Christian life, the life we live, we still encounter sin. We still sometimes fall to temptation, and sin has implications and consequence in the life of seeking to live for the Lord. That sin gets in between us and the Lord. The sin stifles the sweet fellowship that we want to have with Jesus Christ. So here Jesus really is not talking about salvation. He's talking about that close walk of fellowship with God. Lack of forgiveness will cut that off. And so sin needs to be brought out into the open so that our fellowship with Him can be sweet. This prayer, this prayer of confession says, I am in need of forgiveness. And the Apostle John picks up that theme in 1 John 1.9. He says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar and His Word has no place in our lives. Now remember, when John writes that letter, he's writing to believers in Jesus Christ. And he's saying, you are called as a believer in Jesus Christ to an ongoing lifestyle of confession. Confession needs to be a part of your life, continually seeking forgiveness for cleansing. 
When I, as a sinner, for the very first time come to the Savior and confess my need for a Savior and turn to God in repentance, I am positionally moved into a new category, from death to life. But the fact is that that's just the initial confession. That's just the first confession, the beginning of a lifestyle where confession will be called for. And we need to ask for forgiveness because unconfessed sin jeopardizes the vitality of your walk with Jesus. Unconfessed sin causes a distance between you and Almighty God. It causes the lack of joy that God wants you to experience when you know, you know, this is where God wants me. And I'm doing what He asks me to do. And I'm filled with joy. So Jesus is asking us to pray, forgive us our debts. And the person he's asking to pray that is the child of God who knows that the Heavenly Father is truly my Father. But we understand that in the journey, as I sin, I get tarnished. I get dirtied in my soul. Confession washes that away. So the person who prays this prayer who is the one who realizes that, the one who doesn't want that gap to exist, doesn't want that barrier to be there. Lord, I desire close fellowship. Forgive us our debts. There's a song that's written by Charles uh, Albert Tindley. It starts like this, Nothing between my soul and the Savior, so that His blessed face may be seen, nothing preventing the least of His favor. Keep the way clear. Let nothing between. See, the question is, how do you live with nothing between your soul and the Savior? It takes the regular praying of this prayer and developing a confessional lifestyle because true prayer includes confession. And here we're confessing, I'm, in, I'm a sinner. I'm in need of forgiveness. Even though I'm saved, even though I'm walking with Jesus, I blow it and I know it and I need to be forgiven. What is confession? Confession is to say the same thing as. That's what it means. To say the same thing. It means I'm going to say the same thing about my sin that God says about my sin. Okay? Confession is not admitting. You know? Like, okay, God, I admit it. I'm a sinner. You got me. That's not confession. And confession is not informing. God, I need to tell you something. You might not be aware. Well, I need to let you know that there are times that I have sinned. God already knows that. That's not confessing. Confessing is saying the same thing about my sin that God would say. Confessing is agreeing in my heart the way God would feel in His heart about my sin. It calls for an owning up to our failure, doesn't it? In other words, it's a, it's confession includes, you know, God, I know I am the guilty one. That deed, that was mine. That thought, that was mine. There's no one else to blame. I need forgiveness. And it means evaluating that correctly. God, it's not okay. I know it's not okay. I know it's not okay for me to take a vacation from my spirituality and think that everything will be fine in my walk with you. I know it's not okay to do this. I see that sin like you see it, God. I see it as spiritual cancer. It's hurting me. I need to get rid of it. That's confession. And the opposite of that is denial. 
denying we have a problem, denying we're the problem, seeing it always as somebody else, right? One man has written, how wise are your commandments, O Lord? Every one of them applies to someone or other that I know. That's denial. I once spoke to a woman who runs seminars um, that helps people uh, quit smoking. And uh, she was telling me how she has to construct these seminars to, to get into the life of the person who attends. Just by being there, they, they, they're saying something about their desire to stop smoking. But she says, every person who comes to the seminar has to work through three levels of denial. Three levels of denial. First level is this. They have to, the first level of denial is I deny that I have a problem. I deny that it's me who has the problem. They have to be willing to call themselves a smoker first. Many people say, well, I'm not a smoker. I smoke once in a while, but I'm not a smoker. Okay? That's denial of the problem. The next level is the denial of the degree. She said, almost universally, people will constantly underreport how much they smoke. I've got a few cigarettes here or there. Way less than what is reality. Denial of the problem, denial of the degree, and the last level of denial is denial of the consequence. Oh, I know smoking causes cancer, but it's not going to, for me, because I have good genes, you know. So I'm, I'm going to be fine, okay? She said, only when you break through all three of those levels of denial are you going to actually be able to change a habit. And I was listening to her explain that, and I thought, you know, that's the exact same thing with sin. We deny the fact of it first. Then we deny the degree of it. Then we deny the consequence of it. We don't fully want to understand, even as followers of Jesus Christ, that when we harbor sin in our life, it costs us the joyful journey that God wants to have with you. It costs you that. We must stamp out that denial if we're going to be able to live confessional lives. Lord, I'm going to say the same thing about my sin that you say about it. I'm going to feel the same way about that that you feel about it. So this prayer is a reminder. And this prayer is a statement. It's saying, I confess that I am in need of ongoing forgiveness because I have blown it. And Lord, I don't want that in my life. You see, asking for forgiveness humbles us, doesn't it? And God wants us to be humble. Not because He wants to belittle us and not because He wants to shame us, but because He knows that pride is the great enemy of the progress in your faith. That will cut it off faster than anything else. And this is the answer to the person who says, well, why should I confess my sins to God? He already knows them. Confession does not inform God. It conforms you to what God wants you to be. And what He's doing in your life, it trains us in humility, and we must be humble. When we're humble, we will respond to the changes that God wants to make in our lives. And without that, without that humility, we will not be pliable as He works to shape us. All of this talk of forgiveness reminds us of Isaiah chapter 64 when he says, we are the clay, you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. Remember that image. Keep that in mind because you've probably seen a potter at work shaping the clay. And when that clay is soft and when that clay is wet, that clay is able to be formed into the vessel that the potter wants to create. But when that clay gets, clay gets hard, it is useless. 
It has to be thrown out, and a proud heart is brittle clay, but the confessional heart is soft. Seeking forgiveness puts you in that place where the shaping continues, where the God-ordained shaping of your life as God is moving you to be the person that He's always wanted you to be. Forgiveness, confession, it's all part of the process. He says, forgive us our debts. Now, over in Luke chapter 11, when he teaches the, the apostles privately the prayer, debts is replaced with sin, because that's really what he's talking about. Forgive us our sins, the things that get in the way of our fellowship with you. But in Jesus' thoughts, as he expresses them here, he reminds us, those of us who walk with him, that we are all debtors to God. The Apostle Paul picks up that theme in 1 Corinthians 6. He says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. We are to honor the one who saved us. And as we continue in sin, whatever it is, we dishonor him. True prayer includes confession. And true confession is built on a confidence and the confidence is when God hears our prayers of confession and our desire for forgiveness, He will forgive. This is a prayer to whom? To our loving Heavenly Father. This is a prayer to the one who says, my mercy endures forever for you, and I will forgive when you ask. Don't doubt that. Sometimes this is a thought. I can't go to God with this again. I've asked forgiveness for this so many times. I'm, he's probably getting sick of me by now. His mercy endures forever. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Look at the words there. First of all, He. See, the power of confession is not in your words. It's not, I got to get this just right. I got to say this just right. No, the power of your confession is in the one you confess to, okay? He, He will. There is an assurance that He will act. He will forgive. That's the action He's going to take, and He promises you He will do it. Why? Because He's faithful to perform the forgiveness. The forgiveness is founded on the nature of God. It's who He is. It's what He wants to do. He's faithful to His promise and He's faithful to His Word. He's faithful to His character and to His very nature. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. See, what John means there is when God forgives you as you ask for forgiveness and confess your sins, when God forgives you, He's acting justly. It's according to His justice. Why? Because this is the pattern of life that He asks us to follow. This is what He asks us to do. So when we do it and He says, yes, I forgive you, I'm going to wipe the, clay, uh, the slate clean, that's justice being worked out. Forgiveness is grounded in who He is and how He runs the universe. And He's not just going to forgive. It says He's going to purify us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness is much, but purity is more. Forgiveness is much, but cleansing is more. I don't know, but have you ever done something or been someplace or seen something and you just feel like, I got to take a shower. I just got to 
clean myself. I got to take a shower. I should never have been there. Should never have done that. Should never have seen that or said that. And you just feel like rinsing off, a longing for clean. But that only cleans the outside, doesn't it? But God says, I'm going to clean you on the inside. I'm going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. True confession is based on a confidence God will do that. And He will do that for you. But there's a second aspect of this, and that is true prayer for forgiveness places a call upon our lives. And that is not only do we ask to be forgiven, but we are asked to be forgivers of others. Forgiveness and being a forgiver are intertwined here. Jesus feels so strongly about the fact that they are intertwined in the way that we live the Christian life that actually after he teaches the Lord's Prayer and he continues in the Sermon on the Mount, he comes back to this very point in verse 14. It says, For if you forgive men when they sin against you, if you, uh, if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive you your sins. Now, here's some confusion as well. Let's not be confused with, by what Jesus is saying. In this prayer and his teaching, he's not saying, Lord, forgive us our sins because we forgive others. You are not saved by forgiving other people. And you do not lose your salvation once you are a child of God if you struggle to forgive. Remember, we're not talking here about positional justification or salvation. What we're talking about is the practical, close, day-to-day journey with Jesus in your life. And Jesus' point is this, part of you gaining that day-to-day cleansing and walking in close fellowship with me is your willingness to be a forgiver. Failing that, he's saying, there's going to be things in the way. There's going to be things between us. And we won't have that close fellowship. So he says, be a forgiver. And the reality is we should want to be forgivers. Because we're part of a great family of forgivers. And the father of our family is forgiver-in-chief, as I say. Right? He is the example of forgiveness. And the assumption is when you're in the family of God and God the Father is the father of your family, you take on his traits. So be a forgiver. Forgiveness of others. Again, it is also a call to step away from pride. Because here's what I want you to know. No one gives grace and forgiveness better than the person who is convinced they know down to their very core that I have been forgiven. That's the person who will really give grace and forgiveness. No one is less of a forgiver than the person who thinks they're superior to the people around them. I don't know about you, but have you ever heard the words, okay, I forgive you. And instead of feeling joy and relief at those words, you get the impression that this person is saying that because they believe themselves to be so far superior to you that they can be generous with their mercy. I forgive you, you wretch. (laughs) Yeah, I can give it away. Yeah, I don't, you know, because I'm better than you. This prayer is the opposite of that. This prayer revises our image downward. It takes us off of that high horse. This prayer becomes, Lord, 
forgive me while I am forgiving others because when I forgive others, I do so not because I feel that I'm superior to them, but because I know I'm one of them. And I need forgiveness too. I know I fail. I know I'm a sinner. So I see myself in them. Thus, I forgive. Help me be a forgiver. See, if Christ's followers are not forgivers, we are living contradictions to everything we sing and everything we say and everything we pray when we come together on Sundays. Because Jesus was a forgiver. He's the model and the example of the forgiveness He calls for. Lack of forgiveness anchors you to your past. Forgiveness frees you for the future. Lack of forgiveness will fill you with the bitter memories and draw you back to that place of hurt, the place where the hurt was born. It will always bring you back there. Lack of forgiveness keeps the scab of healing from growing. It's like picking it off all the time. But forgiveness frees you for the healing that God wants you to have. And forgiveness has an example. Paul says it in Ephesians 4. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Christ is the example. In 1 Peter 2, Peter writes this, When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That is a vital verse for you to know. Because I want you to imagine that you and God are sitting together looking at the bad thing that someone did to you. And God is asking you to do something. He's asking you to move that thing, that issue, from the anger column to the forgiven column, right? And when he's asking you to do that, this is what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to know I saw that. I want you to know I realized that happened. I see that that was wrong. That was bad. It should not have happened. But I want you to give me the anger. I want you to trust me, trust me that I will settle this. Now you say to God, well, you know, I'll tell you, I've been really hurt here. I've been ill-used. And God will point to Jesus and say, no one was wronged as much as he was wronged. No one in all of history. And you say, well, I felt belittled and, and I felt taken advantage of. And Jesus will speak up and say, I was forsaken by God the Father becoming sin for you. I was reviled by many. No one was more unfairly abused than me. This is part of being a forgiver, trusting God the Father to judge justly. I don't have to do it. He's going to do it. I'm going to put it in His hands. God says, give me that hurt. I will judge justly. And I want you to know this is the pathway of the joyful Christian life. This is it. This is the pathway of Christian maturity. You will not grow in your faith and as a mature believer until this happens. And you can do this. Be a forgiver and be confessional in your lifestyle before God. I need your forgiveness. Now, I've been talking this whole time about the journey with Jesus for the believer in Jesus Christ, the practice of the Christian life. But I know that it has to start, doesn't it? 
We have to change positions before God in order to be on this journey of faith. And it all starts with an initial life-changing experience of God's grace and forgiveness in our life. It is a moment in time when you turn to Jesus in faith and you start the journey. It's when you realize, I need to be washed clean of my sin and the consequences of sin. And I have a Savior who, is to, who will do that for me if I just humble myself before Him. We call that salvation. And I wonder if you've ever done that. It doesn't just happen. You have to decide to say, yes, Jesus, I will trust you that you will forgive me and I'll start this journey. Now, if you haven't done that, you know you haven't done that. And the reason you know that is because the Holy Spirit right now is saying, that's what you need to do. You need to start. And I'm going to help you do that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes here in the sanctuary and at home if you're watching on the Internet? And if you're saying, I need to start this journey of forgiveness. I want to be washed clean. I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer silently. You don't have to say it out loud. But you say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I want your forgiveness. I want, your ch I want to be your child. I want salvation. Forgive my sin and make me yours. Lord, I don't know if there's people in this room who've prayed that prayer right now or if there's people watching online that are praying that prayer right now, but I know that you want us to pray that prayer and to cross the line into faith. And I pray that there are those who are saying yes to that today. And I pray that they would know for sure that things have changed because you have taken up residence. I pray that they would have assurance that you're working in their life. And I pray that all of us would be humbled before you in this journey we call faith. Forgive us our sins and help us to be forgivers as well. For we love you and we want to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.